Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you and praise you for all of the ways that you love us and take care of us, and that, Lord, you give us a holy season of Lent to to walk more closely with you uh, into the desert. Lord, I ask that you would inspire us with the right Lenten penances, that we'd come to recognize the the value of penance and um, embrace it as, as a path to fuller spiritual life, to greater holiness and greater mission. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do this Lent. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so... Uh, today on Sun Insight, uh, I'm going to put most of the focus on getting ready for Ash Wednesday. It's coming up. And, and you know what? It's probably a, a good idea to give a little bit of time to thinking about what am I going to give up for Lent? How many times have you had it happen where all of a sudden you're like, hey, wait a minute, Tuesday's Mardi Gras and Wednesday's Ash Wednesday. What am I going to give up for Lent? Or you wake up and it's Ash Wednesday, and it's like, oh my goodness, I haven't really thought about what I'm going to give up for Lent yet. So giving a, a few days advance thought to this, not a bad idea. Well, I mentioned that um, there are a group that, I don't know if Kerry started it, but somehow I got added into it. It's a group chat or a group texting, and it involves... Um, all of my kids that have either a phone or an iPod, my 16-year-old and 15-year-old sons have iPods. And then the oldest four girls each have um, a phone, a smartphone. Um, and then Carrie and me and Carrie's mom are uh, the ones who are on this group text. And in the last day or two, all of a sudden, um, People started sharing kids. Some of my kids started sharing, hey, what are you going to give up for Lent? Hey, here's what I'm going to give up for Lent. Or what do you think about this? And they were posting different uh, lists on uh, on the, onto the group text. And so I ended up sharing a homily on the importance of bodily penance. <laughs> and so Mary Grace shared a, another homily on the importance of fasting. And uh, I just love it. I just love that my kiddos are like taking this uh, to heart and they're, and they're giving each other suggestions, by the way. <laughs> you should do this one. You should do that one. Well, uh, today in the program, I'm going to use these as a basis for uh, giving you some thoughts about approaching Lent. Uh, but I want to start with, let's start with the theological basis. Uh, and let's use St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas is a great foundation, right? A great, the angelic doctor, considered the greatest doctor of the church. And that means his teaching is, is like a sure foundation. You can build off of it and have confidence that, that uh, his teaching can feed your mind and your heart and, and help you grow in your, in your life of faith. So Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, asks the question, why is it important to do bodily penance? Why is it important to, to fast, to deny yourself through bodily penance? And he comes up with three reasons three reasons why. Uh, the first reason is that it will uh, it will diminish the strength of the flesh. 
uh, and the attachments to the flesh. So it'll weaken the power that fleshly desires, desires that will lead us into sin, and even bodily desires that will hold us back in our spiritual growth that it has uh, on our lives. So undertaking practices that involve bodily penance, and fasting is the most natural one we can think of, and and it is connected to Lent, uh, is a way of denying the body in order to diminish the power that the body has over our spiritual lives. Uh, when I, do you know what, what do I mean by that? Well, you know what I mean if you've ever tried fasting. And when you fast, and if the fast is like um, has a little bit of rigor to it, like I'm not going to have coffee in the morning and I'm going to have a very simple and much lighter breakfast and maybe a simple and lighter lunch and deny myself some treats or some sweets, then all of a sudden as the day is going on, you're going to feel the pull of the flesh. You're going to begin to experience this uh, reality that, wow, I had no idea that my body had these these urges, these these pulls, right? It's pulling me in a direction. And I wasn't conscious of the strength of those pulls until what happens? Until I say no to them, until I deny them, until I restrict them, until I diminish the access I take to them. You see, what can happen is if we unconsciously, out of habit, simply uh, embrace or enjoy let's just say some, uh, some delicacies that are edible and, and all of that, then when we rem- we're not aware of the way that our body has you know, unconsciously just been pushing us towards those things and we just enjoy them and then we move on. But it's when we say no. It's when we say no to those things that we begin to experience the pull that those have on us. I would say that there's another one that is probably even more existentially accessible, this the experience of what I'm talking about, even more than food these days. And, and you couldn't say this five years ago or 10 years ago, certainly couldn't say it 20 years ago, and it's the smartphone. I wanna say for a good portion of folks who are, say my age and younger, maybe under 60, and have um, significantly incorporated the use of a smartphone into your day-to-day life, good luck setting that down and walking away from it for, you tell me how long, before all of a sudden the pull starts making you a little bit anxious, like, um, where is it? And did anybody text? Or or I, I, I need to have some something uh, something going on, some video playing or some some talk being that I could hear or or some image I could scroll through. It's amazing the pull that smartphones have on so many people's lives. So when St. Thomas Aquinas says bodily penance, the, the denying of oneself, uh, a desire that is connected to a bodily appetite. To, some, to an attraction or a desire that we feel in our body. It could be emotional, it could be physical, 
It could be, again, something like food or something like a smartphone. Um, and when you deny yourself that, it's going to begin to diminish the hold. It'll decrease the, the power that that desire has on our lives. And, and here's the thing. When we, when we first start to do this, it's not going to feel like it decreases. It's going to feel like it's increasing. It's going to feel like, wow, I don't normally experience this. Well, because we normally don't give, we normally just give into it. We normally are unconsciously just living a life at this uh, level of bodily desires, um, pushing us and nudging us, and then we just feel the desire that we have. And we don't realize how much hold, how much of a stronghold these things have on our lives until we resist them. So St. Thomas Aquinas says the first reason for bodily penance is to diminish and ultimately detach ourselves from bodily desires and the desires of the flesh that lead us into spiritual darkness. Well, that actually brings me to the second the second insight that St. Thomas Aquinas has, the second reason for bodily penance, is so that the spirit can be lifted to greater heights. There is a, a way in which our spiritual life is connected to our bodily life, integrated, right? Not so radically separable. This is an important distinction in theological and philosophical thinking, and definitely in Catholic theology. The distinction between distinction and separation. <laughs> Did you like that? You don't separate separation and distinction. You distinguish distinction and separation. <laughs> All right. What am I saying? I'm talking about the relationship between the body and soul. The relationship between the body and soul is not that they are separate things that are somehow maybe just externally somehow connected or attached or something like that. No, you can distinguish them within the one human being. You can distinguish that aspect, which is the spiritual dimension, from that aspect, which is the bodily dimension. But what St. Thomas Aquinas is saying is because of this intimate integration between body and spirit, body and soul in the human being, that when we deny the dimension of the body, when we don't feed and fuel the dimension of the body, there's a way in which we are opening ourselves to growth and development in the dimension of the spirit. And once again, if we use the example of fasting, you can see this in the scriptures and in our tradition. So the prophet Daniel mentions that he was fasting in order to gain insight into the Lord's will. Lord, what are you willing for me? And so fasting is a path to spiritual insight. How striking is that? Fasting and bodily penance, self-denial of the desires of the body and of the flesh, open up and dispose us to greater intimacy with God. Did you hear that? That's actually St. 
Pope St. Paul VI. Pope St. Paul VI, in his document after the Second Vatican Council, called Penitamini, which is on penitence, so it's on the importance of penance and bodily penance and things like fasting and self-denial, that he references the way in which fasting in the Old Testament and in the scriptures are associated with disposing one for an encounter with God, readying one for an encounter with God, disposing one for deeper prayer. Moses fasted before he went up the mountain to encounter God. So you see this again and again in the scriptures, the, the importance, and, and again, what the distinction but not separation between the way we live our lives in the body and the way that we experience spiritual realities. And so it seems to me, I'm not the first one to say this, I'm not making this up, that the, the decline of a proper understanding of bodily penance, of penitence, and finding healthy expressions of penitential practices, that has really diminished so significantly in the last 70 years that there are great losses to our spiritual life. There are great losses to our spiritual life because we have, whether it's forgotten, underappreciated, not drawn attention to, or not been taught about, forgotten, underappreciated, not paid attention to, or not been taught about. The rich scripture and tradition around this integration of body and spirit, body and soul, and the way in which bodily penance and fasting has tremendous benefits on our spiritual lives. So that's two. There's a third one. The third insight from St. Thomas Aquinas is that bodily penance is important as an act of satisfaction. Satisfaction is that theological concept of once a sin is forgiven by God's mercy, there is still the damage that, is, that has come from that sin that needs to be repaired. So there's a dimension of reparation for sin that, once again, it's something that has been far removed from the formation of so many Catholics in the past 60 years. All right, I'm going to us a break. When we come back, let's dive into um, a way to prepare for Lent coming up next Wednesday. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnes. Great to be with you today. Today, I'm talking about ways to um, have a good Lent. It's coming up, right? It's coming up on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, is Ash Wednesday. Uh, on Monday, Father Nagel and, and Father Lewis and I will probably have a conversation about Lent as well, sort of getting ready for Lent. Um, but I thought, you know what, in, on this Friday, let me take advantage of the, uh, the, the lists, the ideas that have been 
um, shared over text by my, uh, my, my, by my children, several of my kids. Um, and Carrie has weighed in a little bit. And um, I, these, these are, what I'm going to do is this, is I'm going to not just share the list with you, but I'll use, um, some, I'll use some of them to draw out different principles. Right? What's a principle? A principle is that which moves us into action. Right? So a principle is a source of movement into action. So in the beginning, in principium, in, it's a source. Right? So there's a principle that then moves into practices. So I will draw attention to, hopefully, some of the principles that are connected to some of these practices. Okay, so Mary Grace posted this list. I have no idea where she got it from, but there's some pretty interesting ones on here. <laughs> okay, here we go. The first one is park at the very back of the parking lot. Park at the very back of the parking lot. Now, let's immediately say this that when we see these, when we hear these different practices, they're not all going to be suitable for everyone, right? These are the kinds of things that you want to say to yourself, does this fit? How, how do I um, live this one? Or how do I adapt this to my situation, right? So park at the very back of the parking lot, not a wise thing for folks that are really elderly and living in snowy conditions where you could have icy parking lots or bad weather or you get it, right? So there's there's common sense that would say park at the very back of the parking lot is not applying to the elderly who are maybe um, uh, in a likely situation where they are fragile in health. Uh, another one would be, if you got a bunch of little kids, do not park at the very back of the parking lot. <laughs> do not do that. Especially if you're outnumbered uh, and you've got a stroller and you've got a front pack and a backpack and you've got kids in each of these spots. Um, I remember the day. So do not park at the very park at the parking lot. However, for me, I can see me doing that. I think that fits. Why? Well, for me, parking at the very back of the parking lot runs completely counter to my desire, which is what? To get the best parking lot, the best parking spot possible. It's a competition. It's uh, let me let me zoom up there and and make sure that I get that spot. Um, and oh, I want to be efficient, and I want to be. Um, I want to be thinking about myself in terms of getting the easiest, closest spot possible. And and you know what? Parking at the back of the parking lot, the very back, it would be it would be doing what? It would be saying, first of all, Tom, you're not that important. Tom, surrender the better spot for someone else. Even if there were easier spots, let someone else have those spots. And even if the parking lot is mostly empty and you're still parking at the back of the lot, do it as a way of saying, I'm not going to choose what is the easiest, what is the most comfortable. I'm going to choose something that is going to put into question a, a whole flow of my day. You know what? Let me, let me build into my day a little bit more of a sense of saying, if I'm rushing from one thing to the other and I can't afford to even waste one minute, in terms of parking, then I need to maybe take a bigger look at my entire approach to my day. 
and to my life. So park at the very back of the parking lot. Wow. That actually could be a, quite a revealing activity, quite a revealing uh, penance to undertake. Okay, here's the second one. Put a popcorn kernel in your shoe every day. Put a popcorn kernel in your shoe every day. Now, when people hear this, there are going to be many of you who say, that's insane. That doesn't make any sense. Ooh, that seems like weird and nonsensical. Doesn't make any sense to me. Why would somebody do that? Well, believe it or not, that form of bodily penitence, bodily penance, was something that was practiced and recommended for, I, I don't think I'm overstating it when I say centuries. And, and you still say, whoa, is this just a sign of a church's, the church's like negative approach to the body? Is this a sign of the church's negative approach to um, like life on earth? Um, and, and, and here's the thing. If you listen very carefully to what I had shared about St. Pope, Pope St. Paul VI's document after the Second Vatican Council called Penitemini, that the attempt in that document was to present a life-giving, a healthy way of introducing and embracing penance because there are extremes, right? There are extremes. And, and as you know, if you're going to fall off the extreme on one side, what's a tendency, not, not a necessity, but what's a tendency, you're going to fall off on the other side right? So in some ways, our age is an age that is falling off the horse on the other side, where let's just say our great temptation is not going to be too much penance. That is just not going to be the thing <laughs> that we're worried about. Okay, so let's come back around to, the, to this specific uh, list that says put a popcorn kernel in your shoe every day. Now, I have to admit, a little tongue-in-cheek, I was wondering, on day two, do I have two kernels in there? And on day three, three kernels? And then four, five, six, seven? Every day I'm adding one kernel? <laughs> I don't think that was the intention there. I don't think. I think it is, hey, when, you, um, are, um, when you're putting on your shoes, put, on, put in a popcorn kernel. Now, why? Well, first of all, if you put on really thick wool socks, you're probably not going to feel it, especially if it ends up um, in the arch of your foot, right? Oh, that's bad. Okay. What's the intent? The intent is not to be so comfortable. Not to be so comfortable in our bodies. So that's the principle. The principle is when you choose what is soft, comfortable, I'm going to use a different word now, luxurious for your body, you will end up with a weakened spirit, a spirit that will likely fall short in manly courage, in a determined willingness to undergo suffering in a persevering way. That attitude, 
that attitude of magnanimity, that willingness to strive to do something great for God, when it bumps up against an unwillingness to be uncomfortable, to experience harshness, to give up what is luxurious, is going to quickly fall short. We're not going to get there. We're just not going to grow in that virtue. So this putting a popcorn kernel in your shoe every day is a recovery of a traditional form of penitence. They would say a pebble that basically is not meant to hurt you, not meant to injure you, not meant to make your life miserable, but rather to make you uncomfortable in your bodily life, to realize that maybe always striving to be comfortable, experience a sense of softness and ease and and luxuriousness in my bodily being isn't going to help me as much as I would want it to. It's going to hold me back. So maybe putting a popcorn kernel in your shoe every day is not going to work, right? If you uh, are a woman and you're wearing high heels and you are not having thick socks on, then it could be quite painful and actually maybe dangerous. So maybe that's not it. Maybe it's if you're coming into a room, you choose the seat that's going to be maybe the least comfortable. And maybe you sit up straight and don't lean back in the seat. These are other examples. These are practices that are traced back to the same principle. I'm going to seek ways of overcoming the desire for ease, softness, and luxury. All right, third. Uh, this is, again, I'm looking at a list from, this, this list was shared by Mary Grace. I don't know where she got it from, into our group text on some recommended things to consider doing for Lent. What should I give up this Lent? My kids and Carrie are sharing ideas in this group text, and I'm going through some of them with you today. Third, don't use your apps. Don't use your apps. Wow, that's a challenge. You heard me mention the importance of um, considering moving away from a smartphone to a wise phone. Yes, it's a thing, a wise phone. And a wise phone has a clock. A wise phone has like a maps, a map, some kind of map system. And a wise phone has a phone, a good, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, it has a phone call. It can make a phone calls. It has a good camera and it can text. That's it. There's no browser. There's no ability to download apps on it. It does those things and those things only. And it's, it's wise to only do those things because so many of these other things are time wasters. They lead us into various forms of physiological addictions and other forms of anxiety, information overload, and yes, even worse, spiritual bondage through sin, through so much of what um, people today are exposed to through these apps and through other online um, activity. So don't use your apps is incredibly valuable because what are we doing? It's avoiding the near occasion of sin. 
it is restraining ourselves from things that even if they're neutral, are they necessary? And, and it's getting us to stop and maybe ask ourselves, what's really important? Like what's really important in life? So Lent is a season that is meant to, if you will, lift our, li- lift our eyes beyond the earth. Lift our eyes beyond the earth and looking towards heaven, that heaven's our true home, and we want to use our lives here and now well so that we are preparing ourselves to be with the Lord forever in heaven. Let's glorify him now here by keeping our eyes focused on where ultimately life here leads to. So don't use your apps. That's something you might have to prepare for. Like concretely, how do we do that? How do we actually accomplish that? Well, there is a way. If you have an iPhone, you can go to your settings. And on your settings, there's something called screen time. And so if you go to screen time, it gives you an opportunity to set how much downtime you have, app limits, communication limits, what apps are allowed. And then there are content and privacy restrictions. Now, you also have a password that you can put just on screen time. And so here's what I'm going to recommend. This is, a, this is a big deal one. Get rid of apps, any app that you really, 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 really don't need. You don't need it. Eliminate it. Like, don't allow it during the season of Lent. But in order to be able to make this really happen, you're going to have to change your screen time password. And you're going to have to let a trusted third, second person, a trusted other person, like your spouse, or maybe a kid, to change that screen time password so that you can't get in there after it's been changed and, um, and make it uh, so that you can change it back. Ooh, that's getting real. So think about it. Are you spending too much time um, on different social media apps? You know, people listening to my program, it might be Facebook, maybe Instagram, maybe Twitter. Maybe it's just um, online on um, playing games on, on your smartphone or watching videos or even watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts, even good ones, right? But think about what's really, really necessary and think about the path of penance and self-denial as an important path to truly growing in faith in accord with the spirit and means that Lent makes available. Well, this is Tom Curran, and today on Sound Insight, I'm going over um, some lists of recommended things for you to do, so prayerfully think about them this Lent. Um, You know that Ash Wednesday is next Wednesday. Now, that's not a holy day of obligation, but it's a day that many Catholics think is, but you should go anyways, right? (laughs) Ash Wednesday, and that's a day of fasting and abstinence. And you know there's only one other day of required fasting? Do you know what that is? Well, I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today on this Faith and Family edition. I am talking about getting ready for Lent. It's next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. That's a day of fasting and abstinence. Fasting doesn't mean eating nothing. Fasting means eating only one meal and two partial meals, if necessary, that do not add up to another meal. So that's the practice. But what's the principle behind it? The principle is eating what is sufficient rather than what is satisfactory. Eating what is sufficient, in other words, take the nourishment you need, and that's going to differ person to person based on your state in life, based on the the kind of work that you're doing in the course of that day. Some of you may need a lot more food than someone else. But take what is sufficient rather than what is fully satisfying. And so that means when you when it comes to what is sufficient, you may not choose to do things that are delightful. Maybe you have things that are more bland or just things that you enjoy less in order to take what is sufficient that day. So that's a day of fasting. And then there's abstinence. So on Ash Wednesday, can't eat meat. On the Fridays of Lent, no eating meat. But there's only one other day that fasting is required, not recommended, but required, and that's Good Friday. So Ash Wednesday, Good Friday are the two days that fasting is required. In addition to abstinence, abstaining from meat, the other Fridays you are required to abstain from meat. Chicken is meat, fish is not. Um, However, it's recommended that you undertake a more rigorous fast than just those two days. In fact, you're probably aware for, ah, gosh, I don't know, 1,500 years? I think it may be 1,600 years? The tradition was to fast all 40 days of Lent. Okay, did you hear that? To fast every day during Lent. Every day. And that was at, those were at times that, guess what, were not as luxurious, comfortable, or easy as our time. And they were fasting every day. Now, again, fasting wasn't eating nothing. Fasting was taking what was sufficient, not what was pleasing, not what was fully satisfactory or satisfied. God wasn't full. And, in fact, it often involved not eating meat, not eating meat at all. That was, that was the baseline, not what we have today. So we've come a long way towards a much more lax attitude about required forms of penance. So today on the program, I'm digging into some other, some ways that we can maybe enter into the spirit of penance and penitence that um, that include fasting, right? But that also have other practices that are connected to other principles associated with bodily, uh, bodily acts of self-denial. Here's, here are a couple that are um, here are a couple that I can go through. I'll go through several of them more quickly. One is get to know your neighbors, and isn't it sad that that's a thing, right? To get to know your neighbors, but it's it would seem to me that it is increasingly the case in at least many communities where we are less connected to our neighbors in our neighborhoods and just more connected to those groups of friends that are ours, typically from work or school or family members or other friendships that we have that are not connected to geography. And that, frankly, is different than when I grew up. 
when I grew up, we knew all our neighbors and we were um, friends enough with our neighbors that we were only friends with them because we were their neighbors, except for my first cousins. My uncle and aunt did live um, like two doors down. Um, but other than that, it was just these were our neighbors. Now they happen to have kids and some of those kids were in the same grades as some of the kids in my family. Um, and that's why we became friends because it was the same neighborhood. That's just so different today. Well, one of the member, one of the kids in my family posted, hey, we should invite over neighbors of ours that we've really struggled with. Now we've really struggled with them because somehow they've really struggled with us. <laughs> And we feel like, my, it's my insight, that the Lord is, he loves them enough to give us neighbor, us, them, us as their neighbors so that we can pray for their salvation. <laughs> I, I mean that. I'm laughing, but I mean it. I'm like, okay, Lord, there is there are salvi- salvific ends at work here. And so we need to be praying for our neighbors like daily to have a... Um, a life-giving relationship there because, well, I'll just leave it there. So they were saying, hey, invite them over for dinner. And I'm like, oh, wow, that would be like a supernatural work right there. It's That's crazy. Okay, next. Pray the Hail Mary and do an ab crunch for every single word. Whoa. <laughs> This was probably written by somebody in their 20s. Um, Pray the Hail Mary and do an ab crunch for every single word. That would take quite a while to pray a Hail Mary if you're going to do an ab crunch for every single word. It's kind of, uh, when I think of an ab crunch, it's kind of like a form of a sit-up. If you don't know what an ab crunch is, it's it's like a kind of sit-up that is not easy. And uh, for people that are not in very good shape like me. And so, yeah, okay. Next, stop complaining and or being negative. Stop complaining and or being negative. That one seems more like ones I've heard before, so I, I won't um, I won't go a lot into that. But one of the interesting things is I, I would say if you start doing some works of penance, bodily penitence, um, you're going to find that y- y- you're likely going to get pretty grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> at least at the start, until there's sort of a detoxing of the spiritual, like of the flesh, um, you're going you're gonna to find yourself more prone to complaining and being negative, which is, I think that's kind of funny. Okay, next, give up texting and call whoever you need to talk to. I like that one. I actually like that one. Give up texting and call whoever you need to talk to. I probably say that once a week, to some family member or other of mine. And I'm like, why don't you just call them up and have the conversation? And they're, and they're asking a question that seems to be more than just a one-word answer. Hey, what are you thinking about this or that or the other thing? And my response is, just call them up. Talk to them. You can actually have a conversation and hash it all out without misunderstandings. But the nuances, the subtleties, the um, the back and forthness of, of what you're trying to get across here. You know how hard that is? It's so much more likely to be misunderstood. Just call them up. So whoever wrote that, maybe, am I complaining and being negative about texting? <laughs> maybe I need to stop complaining and being negative about people who text rather than call. All right, 
moving on. This next one, I don't quite understand. This one says, don't use utensils. Don't use utensils. I don't really know what that means. I mean, are they saying don't eat food that requires utensils? Like have pizza and like fried chicken? How, how do you not use utensils? I don't quite understand that penance. Maybe I'm just not getting it. Maybe there's something that, uh, maybe I'm overthinking it, but my thinking right now is I don't get that. <laughs> okay, next. I'm looking, I'm going through a list Mary Grace posted on our group text uh, for the, the current kiddos, some recommended, some things that are recommended to give up for Lent, which begins next Wednesday, uh, which is Ash Wednesday. So take the time now, think about it, talk about it as a family. Uh, and when we come back, actually, from the break is coming up, I'll share what we do as a family to get ready for Lent. And maybe that's something that you would want to do as, as well. Okay, next one was give away 10 shirts, two pairs of pants, and a pair of shoes. I, I wonder how they came up with that, like that breakdown. 10, 10 shirts, two pairs of pants, and a pair of shoes. I'm thinking... Is that, is that like for a guy? It might, might, must have been a guy who wrote that one um, or was thinking of that one because I'm not sure that that would have been the proper like balance if, um, if I'm thinking about my daughters. I think there'd be a lot more emphasis on pairs of shoes. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but be that as it may, I like the idea. The idea is what? Simplify. The idea is do you really, really, really need all the clothes that you have? I'm not sure that you do. So this is a way to strip down. This is a way to simplify. This is a way to let go, to become detached for thing of things that are easy to become attached to, the way, we're, the way we look and the way we're dressed. So um, and, and the answer isn't, oh, only keep the, the clothes that are old, worn out, and have holes in them, and try to look slovenly. No, that, that, that is not what this is saying at all. This is all about decluttering, simplifying, it's about detaching, you know, do we really need the stuff that we have? So that is, that's a wonderful Lenten principle that's manifested, at least in this particular uh, form, 10, 10 shirts, two pairs of pants, and a pair of shoes. All right, up against the break. When we come back, I've got a few more to do and continue the conversation. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. If you enjoy this program, go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. I'd love to hear from you. You can also um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can see a link to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. The Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can click on it. You can rate it. Please rate it five stars. Someone rated it like two stars saying that I was talking too much about COVID stuff. So, <laughs> but set that aside, everyone else rated it, I think five, uh, which was nice. So you can rate it. 
Actually, go there if you like it enough to rate it five stars. There you go. Leave a comment so that other folks can be drawn to it. They can enjoy it as well. But if you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can also get in touch with me if you have any feedback for me about these programs, about the guests that I have on. If you enjoy hearing the priests or enjoy hearing Kerry or other guests, love to hear from feedback from you about the program, how it's a blessing to you in your life. You can contact me at mycatholicfaith.org. And when you go to that site, you will see free resources, free downloads for you, all for, how much was it again? It was free, all for free. Uh, talks that I've given through the years on a variety of themes on marriage, spirituality, prayer, discernment, evangelization, on parenting in the digital age, so many resources on the mass, confession, etc. Love for you to benefit from them audio versions, there's some videos, and there are some ebooks. There's some um, uh, electronic versions of my book on the Mass and on confession and on marriage. They're all available for you right there. I would love for you to access them. That's why they are there. And lastly, if you are in need of help with real estate, I am now a real estate agent in Washington and Idaho, Washington and Idaho. I'm a licensed real estate agent. I did this as a mission in a ministry to help families discerning and attempting to find the right way to move. I can help you sell your house. I can help you buy a house in Washington or in Idaho. I would love to do that. If you know of folks who are making the move, especially if they're making the move to this area, to the to the uh, Spokane, Coeur d'Alene area, love to be able to be of help to them. I know families. I know the different schooling options. I know parishes. I know neighborhoods. I know where folks that are moving here are moving to and love to help families discern the right time, the right way to be able to make the move. So if you or someone you know would benefit from that, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org and just contact me. Love to be able to hear from you. Okay. Today on the program, I am talking about Lent. It's coming up next Wednesday. Going through um, a list of suggestions posted on my current crew family um, chat, texting chat, and taking a look at a number of these things. I like this next one. Well, I, I like one word in it, and I'm going to tell you why. When you wake up, jump out of bed, kiss the floor, and learn humility. When you wake up, jump out of bed, kiss the floor, and learn humility. Now, what's interesting is I think that learn humility was supposed to be associated with the practice, right? Like you don't, there's, there's no concrete action involved in learning humility. Uh, there are, however, concrete actions described by waking up, jumping out of bed, and kissing the floor. So to understand what it's saying is you will learn to be humble if the first thing you do when you wake up is you jump out of bed and kiss the floor rather than what? Slowly just stay in bed and, and whatever other rituals you do first thing in the morning to slowly do that. Well, no, jump out of bed, kiss the floor. That you're choosing to do something that is humbling. You're humbling yourself by lowering yourself and kissing the floor. I guess that would be maybe a sign of honoring God as the one who's given you the gift of a new day, that type of thing. But I mentioned there was a word there that I really liked. What's the word? The word is, yes, indeed, humility. It was several years ago. 
I had heard a homily, I think it was in 2018, I think so it was four, four lengths ago, I heard a homily, and in the homily it was saying that one of the traditional practices for Lent was inviting your guardian angel, giving your guardian angel permission to humble you each day during Lent. And so that was the that was the spiritual practice. Guardian angel, I give you permission and I ask you, please humble me each day. And I heard that and I got all fervent, you know, all fervent. The fervor went up. Oh, this sounds so cool. I'm in. Let's go. Come on, guardian angel. Let's do this. Oh, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know what happened? Yeah, you know what happened. I got humbled. And I have to admit, I did not know there were so many ways to be humbled. I, I, it was stunning. Uh, if you don't believe me, I encourage you to try this. I encourage you, if you truly desire to grow in humility, invite your guardian angel, permit your guardian angel, plead with your guardian angel to accept the commission to humble you each day during Lent. I did it once, and I stand in fear and trembling over doing it again. If I felt prompted by the Lord to do it, if I felt this nudge to do it, I would do it. But I've got this sort of sneaky suspicion that the Lord is saying, I'm not going to require it of you, but I'm going to give you the space to choose it if you would. Tom, do you really desire to grow in humility? You know that without humility, you're useless to me. Without humility, you are useless to me. When you're humble, you're willing to be led. When you're humble, you won't take yourself too seriously. When you're humble, you'll be lifting me up. When you're humble, you will be putting me first and my glory first. When you're humble, you're going to realize this isn't about you. When you're humble, your family will be blessed. Now, hearing that, who wouldn't want to do that? Well, this is one of those uh, principles connected with growth and holiness. You cannot will the end without willing the means to the end. You cannot will the end. You cannot say, I say, yes, I am pursuing this goal, this end, this achievement, without being willing to choose the right means of accomplishing that achievement. Does that make sense? Yes. So this is one of those cases where if we really want to grow in holiness and in the favor of the Lord and be useful to him and have more spiritual power be at work in our lives and through our lives, we need to grow in humility. 
I'll speak for myself. I need to grow in humility. And I'm feeling a little convicted right now. I didn't intend that this would be so convicting to me personally as I would go through this list, but it is what it is. So I'm going to have to pray about that, and I will. <laughs> I don't like that. All right, next. Wear the same four outfits for all of Lent. Whoa. Trying to figure out what that one's about. That one feels like it was probably written by a man, and men could do that. It'd be a lot harder for, I think, a woman to do that. My, my boys, no problem. Four outfits. I think they wear four outfits all year. <laughs> um, so God bless them. Yeah, so I, I would have no problem with that one. I, I think, again, that's really aiming towards the concept of simplicity. So not a bad thing. Uh, next is every day, this is the last one on the list, every day do 20, and then it says in parentheses, or 100 push-ups and offer it up for someone who is sick. Wow. Every day do 20 or 100 push-ups and offer them up for someone who's sick. Now, I like that because what is that doing? That is connecting a bodily penance, bodily penitence, bodily spiritual training, like a, a physical training with a spiritual outcome. And not just a spiritual outcome, but an almsgiving, a way of doing something that will bear like a good. It's a way of loving another member of the human race or of the body of Christ or of your own family. Doing a, a physical, a physically demanding action with a spiritual intention. I love that. That's a great way of kind of bringing to conclusion that connection between what we do physically and what happens spiritually, which I talked about earlier in the program. All right, we're up against the end of the program. Thanks so much for walking with me. I hope you find this to be a blessing, not just looking at the specifics, but stepping back and understanding the spiritual principles and the Catholic approach to Lent, which is coming up next Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Hey, God bless your weekend. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight.